0: Welcome back, guys, to another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Doe, and today you're listening to episode nineteen zero one nine. Back when Scott was living in Colorado, he met a really cool guy named Kyler Roach, and he shared with us on this episode his experience with his moose hunt that he had the opportunity to do last year and how incredible it was. You have to listen to this. We followed that awesome experience that he shared with this episode onto what he's doing next, which happens to be going into a hunting film school. We asked him some of his expectations, he's gonna share with you on the line, and we hope you enjoy it. As you listeners might know, Scott hasn't been on the last few episodes, and only because he's been very devoted to his job. He's trying to do a new career shift, and it's taken a lot of his time, But you know, his passion, just like mine, is the outdoors. We have eight weeks before archery season starts here, but I was able to pull him out of his job, get him off, get him home, and so we can get him on this episode. So let's get the show on. Scott, Tyler, are you on the
1: line?
2: What is going on, you guys?
1: Nothing much, man. What about you? Dude,
2: just freaking working. I'm at I'm at fifty what, fifty four hours right now, and it's Thursday and I left quote unquote early today.
0: Jeez. And it's only Thursday and you got another full day to go. And so you know, I guess when you gotta do what you gotta do, but just make sure that doesn't affect your hunting season. You remember, eight weeks is coming up quick and you need to be ready and prepared. You can't be working all the time.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I was Long. gonna say half the time I try to call you, you only call me back like a week and a half later. Oh my God. Hey dude. hey, you <laughs> know,
0: honestly it's not that bad. You should have hear the story when he first found out we had some new property lookout. It took a month to find out we had some potential property to look at because the guy <laughs> and it was just after the guy contacted him again and said hey you know
2: it's it's been nuts dude i'm just uh, crazy whatever it, it'll it'll calm down here hopefully in the next week and i'll be able to start focusing on deer season because it's uh it's about damn time man eight yeah. weeks
0: yeah we're eight weeks until uh, the opening i believe
2: that's all right oh, yeah, but- um you guys, you guys start
1: at the end of this month, right? Yeah, so I'll be starting August 28th. I'll be heading up after elk.
0: So that you're going to be in velvet still?
1: Um, At or, that point, no. not. I mean, there might be a couple bulls uh, still have a little bit of velvet on them, but not usually now.
0: Okay.
2: Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah, we'll, I mean, people will still be shooting velvet bucks, you know, there's still there every year there's a couple of velvet bucks to get shot in, you know,
1: first week of November. Yeah, definitely. Actually my buddy, um I wanna say it was three years ago, I was I was out uh, archery hunting and uh, we kind of set up our, our base camp and they went up and they had a muzzle at a deer tag when that I'm not sure when that season kicked off in that unit. But he shot a nice he's a real tall two by three the deer definitely on his way down Just real tall gorgeous looking buck full velvet is really nice huh. that's
2: freaking awesome even i mean october beginning october you still have some velvet down here mid-october you have velvet and then like i said every, every once in a while in november you're, you're still shooting a buck every now and then that has velvet you know still falling off uh off its skull which is it, it's crazy. I don't know weather weather between there and here. I'm sure has a huge factor in it. Humidity, being so much higher down here, I'm sure that keeps them on a little bit longer. They're maybe a little bit less aggressive and scraping. But uh, I, I want to shoot a buck in velvet this year. It's kind of kind of one of my goals. We'll see what happens.
0: I want to kind of throw a question, and this might be both either one of you might know this. I was watching on the the outdoor channel. They had a hunt going on, and it was in Utah. So it, maybe it's a little different but it surprised me the guy when he was driving out he didn't have a successful hunt but on the way home he was driving on the highway and a lady uh hit a a buck and just sideswiped it or whatever and the buck's laying on the ground it's not dead it's the back by the uh, back his spine is broken and it's torturing itself basically trying to survive um the guy stops he gets out he was going to you know end the life to make it humane but he knows in the law you have to first call ahead and make sure everything's fine well the uh patrol officer said, no, you have to wait for the game wardens to come out to take care of it. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm right here. This deer is suffering. And it took an hour and a half, and the game warden that he was supposed to come never showed. It happened to be some other one randomly driving by that he was able to flag down, and the guy was able to end the life. So over an hour and a half, this deer was just suffering, um, trying to slowly move around. And it really was baffling that the law there states that they have to have a game warden for that kind of incident to take care of it when... They might not be around. I didn't know if that's the same way it would be in Colorado or not, but is it?
1: You know, I'm not positive on that. I know personally, if I was sitting there in that situation, I would. I think I would take the higher road. But um, I don't know that I could sit there and, you know, watch it suffer like that. Me neither. Um, I, I've run into one instance like that. And, um, I mean, literally right after it got hit, there was a game warden like maybe a minute and a half away. Um, and he had come around the corner right after me and saw it, uh, so took care of it. So I have a feeling if I was in that situation, I would just go ahead and take care of it, though. Yeah. Well,
2: that's that's funny. So I mean, down being down here in Georgia, this is this is. I mean, years ago when when I lived down here beforehand, I lived in an apartment complex, and you know, so you know, kind of the city, just sub, suburb of the city, but there's still a. A lot of forest around. Um, I had one of my neighbors knock on my door and uh, open the door and, and they're like, "Hey, so there's a deer. that got hurt. That's in the woods." I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, like it's it's like bawling." I'm like, oh, "Okay, so." And at that point, as an apartment, and I didn't keep any of my guns at the apartment, so I grabbed my bow and, and and walked down and told her, had her tell me where it was at. So I started walking through the woods trying to find. There was a there was a deer that had got hit and made it ways in the woods we're, we're good ways away from the road but as I'm getting up close to it I, I can figure out it's bedded down and I'm trying to figure out what's going on it hasn't really moved but it's alert and it's looking at me and I finally get within within maybe 10 feet of it and it jumps up and it bounds off 15- 20 yards but clearly in pain with its with its back leg dragging and just goes right back down it can't it can't go it can't walk at all and it, I mean it's just dragging its back hind quarter. So uh, I get try to get a little closer to it and it jumps up, bounce off. This happens two or three times. And I'm finally like, I just gotta I just gotta shoot it. So I'm knocking an arrow. As I'm knocking an arrow, uh, a cop walks into the woods behind me and and, and tells me to drop my weapon.
1: <laughs> oh jeez
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> And and and, and the, the 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 funny part about it was someone had seen me walking down the street with my bow and in my hand and walking into the woods so they called the cops. (laughs) Oh wow. So this cop came into the woods, gun drawn, and 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 tells me to slowly poop down my weapon like from behind me. I'm like, I'm just I'm trying to shoot deer. (laughs) You can't shoot deer here. I'm like, no, literally there's a deer that's hurt that's right here. He's like, come dude, put your, put the bow down and come talk to me. So I had to put my bow on the ground, like 15 yards from this deer and walk over and talk to the cop. I'm like, walking over with my hands up. I'm like, I'm, there's a deer and had had to walk him through the scenario. He's like, okay. It's like, so can I just go shoot it? He's like, ah, oh, I want to say yes, but I can't let you. I'm like, what do you? <laughs> He's like, I've got to go do it. I'm like, all right, he's like I want to say yes so because this is about an hour and a half of paperwork for me tonight because I have to shoot this damn deer and discharge my firearm at city limits.
0: Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. gosh. <laughs> I, uh,
2: I'm like, I'll tell you, I will go, I mean, I could I can do this from here. Like we're at 45 yards. I can do this quick and easy and you can go home. He's like, I can Yeah, just turn the other it. way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I but and and the bad part about it was right when right when me and him were talking this lady and her daughter come walking up because someone had told them about the deer in the woods and they come walking up and are trying to talk to us about it. What are you going to do? And I was just like, I have to put it down. And it's just, what does that mean? It's like, I, I've got to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they freaked out. Absolutely freaked out. And they stood there the entire time. I'm like, you should probably take your daughter home right now.
0: Wow. And, yeah. yeah.
2: But it was that, well, again, it's weird. Like they, there's laws. Uh, if a cop doesn't show up, it's easy, it's done, it's over, and then a cop shows up and it turns into a big ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think in some cases the humane thing is they should allow hunters, or even not a hunter, if you happen to have a, a weapon to discharge yourself, to take something like that so they don't have to suffer. But uh, I guess that's my personal opinion.
2: Yeah, you run into a lot of instances of... Okay, so did did it break its leg before or after you shot it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. officer, I know it's the biggest buck in Georgia, and I know the leg looks like it's been broken afterwards, but I swear it was hit by a truck. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well and then of course after you got to ask if you can keep the rack right
0: oh yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah right? that's like that's like uh tyler you probably you, you know this one um the police officers up in estes yeah was that, that was was that estes or was that was that um like fort collins that was fort collins wasn't yeah. it no it was up in estes park oh my gosh so uh yeah recap if you remember the story recap it for travis so he hears this one
1: yeah so Basically, I mean, I didn't, I didn't read too much into it, for, but from what I understand is there was a game warden, and um, he ended up capping an elk, and he ended up saying that it was, you know, wounded or whatnot, and uh, well, he ended up posting trophy pictures with the bull and everything, and uh, I think they ended up hauling off the meat to a homeless shelter or whatnot, but I'm pretty sure he kept the rack and everything, and he got in big trouble because. In Estes Park, the elk are, they might as well be everyone's pets. I mean, these things walk around. They'll sit on people's porches. People will hand feed them. They're on the golf course. There's everywhere. Mm So, yeah, needless to say, the town knew about it right away and uh, ended up finding the pictures. And I'm pretty sure, I know he lost his job, but I think he even got fined and might have even served some time for that. Well, they, they
2: subpoenaed his cell phone. And they had, so they knew obviously when there's a when there's a gunshot in Estes, like people here, like there's no way not to in Estes. So they have a timing of when the gunshot was fired, and they subpoenaed his phone for records, and there were text messages all before that from from another. I don't know if it was another ranger or another cop. It was someone else that was telling him, oh yeah, he's he's here, he's walking this way, and they read replying back like, hey, okay, I'm in I'm in that area. All beforehand, with no mention of like an injured animal, so they 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 linked oh. it all to it being pre-planned,
0: premeditated. So he, oh yeah, he
1: got hammered. Wow, hammered. Yeah, they even. I was up there not long ago. They even have a memorial set up for that elk. I mean, that's how much like they're involved with these elk wives and stuff. They have this little. Well, memorial like, deal set up where they have flowers and all that stuff for it. <laughs> well, going back even further than
2: that, um I don't know. This this may be before your time, Tyler, but there was a there was a bull named Samson. Oh yeah, I know about yeah. Samson. Okay, because so, a brute. Right. So Samson is like the the biggest bull you have ever seen in your life, and it was every. And that's how big he was. He had a name, like everyone in Estes knew him, and he was walking through a meadow uh, on the YMCA, which is which is in Estes. And a guy walked up to him and shot him with a crossbow on the YMCA property. Wow. Yeah, there's literally a giant cast iron bronze statue of Samson in the middle of Estes now. It's crazy.
0: Well, you know, you think about it, if he didn't do that, then that monument might have never been made. So in some cases, even though he might have did what he did, potentially illegally, he also (laughs) set in stone that guy or allowed that elk to live on forever.
2: Well, you know, oh, talking man. about it, talking <laughs> about it being like super easy to uh, kill big elk in the middle of a city illegally. On the flip side of that, um, you know, one of the one of the big reasons we wanted to sit down and talk with uh, with you, Tyler, tonight is is the complete opposite that that once in a lifetime chance to legally harvest a a moose, which is so rare in the state of Colorado. Um, you know, so you, the background on it, we we love to hear little bit of the story of kind of how it came came to fruition and, and and the hunt itself
1: yeah so basically what it came down to is we were out uh in southeast colorado we we're down fishing for wiper and stuff and i had kind of noticed that i hadn't got half of my money back from the state yet and because uh, you know basically in the state of colorado you have to have preference points to draw a tag um and then you know there's obviously over counter units which you can draw every year but for the moose you have to have a minimum of three preference points your fourth year you're in a random draw and then every year you're in after that your name gets in the hat one more time so basically i, I you, when you buy the point you got to put down the whole tag amount so for a moose in colorado i think it's 250 dollars, and then they'll send you back all that money except for ten dollars if you do not draw so i i it just kind of barely passed my mind that I didn't get all that money back. And uh, then I came back to back to my house, and, you know, we dropped the fifth wheel off after camping and stuff. My dad calls me up, and he goes, hey, dude, I think I got your check in the, the mail from the state. And I was like, well, that's a little late. And uh, I told him to open it, and he goes, dude, you drew a moose tag. And I thought he was screwing with me for the first <laughs> couple minutes there. And, uh, that's exactly how he said it, too.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm pretty sure I started crying a little bit too. I'm I'm not positive on that one, but definitely had some teary eyes. Nice. (laughs) So yeah, so we started talking about it and, um, you know, I I drew it as a rifle tag, but you can choose to um, go archery season with that tag. So, you know, everyone was telling me, man, just do it rifle, just do it rifle. It'll be a lot easier and everything. And I was like, no way, dude. I'm taking my bow after this. Um, I would never killed a big-game animal with my bow at that point. I've been hunting elk for, shoot, going on nine years now with my bow. And uh, it's been a little tough. So I figured I'd go up after the moose and uh, bring my bow. So uh started training for that. And, um, let's see, me and you, Scott, we went out, what, Father's Day for that first scouting trip, that kind of that Father's Day weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly.
0: Well, before we go any further, what year was this so we can kind of set a time frame on this? This was this last season. Last season. Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. So um, we headed up Father's Day uh, weekend this last summer, and uh, kind of scouting around and kind of just you know trying to figure out where they were, and you know, we didn't have the best luck the first couple times up. First time we went up. We didn't see any moose. Uh, the second time, I think we saw two cows and a couple calves. And the third time, I think we saw one cow. So, uh, my hopes were a little dwindled at that point, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) we went up the first trip. Uh, we, we figured we'd go up for five days uh, before we had to come back and get some work done. So headed up, set up the outfitter tent. And, um, we hunted the first, I think three days without seeing anything. And, uh, we were just hunting like crazy, trying to get in the furthest creeks and willows as far back as we could, trying to find the biggest bull. And uh, at one point, we had to go into town to grab something for my mom, and everyone's telling us about this massive 50-inch bull that's walking behind the mall down in Grand Lake. Um, so we figured out where the big one was, but we couldn't really get to him because he was just hanging out by the mall and eating the hay with the, the trail horses. <laughs> so after, see, it was about the fourth day um we talked to a game warden, and he's like, "Man, you guys are too crazy. You're hunting too hard. Just start driving the roads. The moose are going to be along the roads, along the creeks. You hike way back in there, you're never going to find them." So much to our dismay, we started driving around a lot. We can't stand that, but we started driving, and uh, we come up on a kind of a kind of a drainage deal where there's big bull moose just crossing the road. When I say big, I mean big in body sizes. I mean, his rack was, he was just an okay bull. He wasn't great. Uh, but I was, I was having the jitters on the fourth day, and it was a moose, and I was never going to have this opportunity again, at least what I thought. So I went ahead and decided to go after him. <clears throat> so I grabbed my bow out, grabbed my rangefinder, and I start stalking in on this bull. And if you know anything about moose, they're, they're not the smartest animals. They can't smell real good, and uh, they're pretty much blind as a bat, so sneaking on them is really easy. I get to moving up on them, and uh, I get to about 40 yards, and I draw my bow back, and then I see this hand wave about 20 yards past him, and I'm looking past the moose like, what the heck is that? There's two other hunters in this entire unit hunting moose, and I had pushed that bull right into one of the other two hunters. Jeez. and. Oh. How we were in the exact same spot at the exact same time, I have no idea. But uh, the bull ended up moving off, and uh, the old guy walked up to me, and he's like, man, I've been trying to draw this tag for years. You're just a young buck, dude. I'm going to go after this bull. And I said, all right, go for it, man. And uh, he went after it. He ended up taking a shot, and uh, it, it pretty much just sounded like he hit a tree. I mean, it was it was a loud crack, just real loud. And I saw the arrow hit, went into his shoulder, and uh, obviously hit some bone. Moose oh. went running for miles. I mean, that thing was gone. And uh, we walked up to where it got hit. There was one little speck of blood, nothing else. And uh, so his whole crew shows up, with about 10 guys, and they're wanting to go after it. And I kind of told him, I was like, hey, it's archery hunting. You've been trying to draw this tag for years. You finally got your bull. Just let him sit give him at least the night, probably let him sit a little bit into the morning, you know, get some breakfast in you. You're not going to sleep tonight, but get after him tomorrow. And uh, they they decided to go after him anyway. So they ended up pushing that bull and never finding him, which kind of pissed me off because, you know, I knew I could have made a good shot on him if I'd have had the chance. But we had to head back that next day. So uh, we we decided to just get rid of that whole side of the mountain. There too many hunters. We went to the whole other side of the pass, and uh, we're scouting around, and I found a wallow that had tons and tons of moose sign in it, so I figured we were in a decent area, and as we're heading out the very last day, I, I'm i kind of glassing this big Willow Creek area, and I'm just thinking, there, there's got to be some moose in here, and uh, we're about to drive off, and my dad just kind of stops the car for a minute and just looks over at me, and Kind of has a weird look on his face and then looks back and he goes, dude, there's a massive bull back there. And I look back and there's this freaking huge moose just lifts his head out of the willows. And uh, I don't know where he came from. That stuff must have been, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall in there for him to hide in there. Jeez. But uh, yeah, so I, I went stalking after him. My dad hung back. Uh, he couldn't come in a little ways up to the tree line and then hung up over there, took my boots off put on an extra pair of socks so I could sneak in nice and quiet. And uh, I used a big, big pine tree to sneak in on him. And uh, it worked great for cover. And then I got so close to that pine tree that I realized I had to step about 15 yards to my left or right to get around it to get the shot at about 35, 40 yards. So as I'm moving around that pine tree, I ended up spooking him. And i uh, pretty sure he winded me at that point. That wasn't making much noise. So I knew where I was going. So uh, we had to head back down, work for a few more days. We come back up uh, Friday night, me and my buddy after work. And my dad had to go back to work, so he had to work through the weekend. He's all bummed out about that. But uh, we head up there, and right when we get to that creek, the exact same spot, probably within five minutes of being there, the moose is in the same spot. So I, like a fool, jumped out of the truck, grabbed my bow, my buddy hangs out at the truck with his binos just watching it, and I start walking in on him. And then I get in pretty close, and I reach down, and, of course, my binos and my uh, rangefinder back at the truck. Oh. So I'm going to <laughs> have to rely on my, uh, my guacamole in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily, I've done enough 3D competitions where I wasn't allowed to use rangefinders. Where I, You know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at it, but, I mean, you just never know when you get in a situation. So... I get to moving in on him a little bit, and he starts walking off pretty quick with a cow. So, you know, growing up watching all those uh, Jim Shockey videos, Mm -hmm. I decided I'd do what Jim Shockey does. So I put my bow on my head, and I'm just, (laughs) oh, 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 just kind of moaning at him back and forth. And he hangs up and looks at me and kind of gets the broad shoulders like he's ready to go or something. And I move in a little further. He starts moving off, so I pull the trick again, put my bow up, rock back and forth, and uh, he hangs up, and I get into a comfortable range. I get 40 yards, draw back, and I let go. And, I mean, it sounds silly, but I swear, when you get in that situation, you can see the arrow fly in slow motion. Everything just goes quiet. And I just watch that arrow just sink right into the vitals. Wow. he pass through, and he, he maybe took 10 steps. And he drops, hit the ground. Oh. And uh, at that point, we knew he was down.
0: That's, <laughs> That's impressive. Phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're pretty sure he was that same bull we saw on the last day of that first leg there. Wow. You know,
0: uh, that just shows you, you can learn stuff from watching TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well,
2: that is awesome. Uh, and,
1: yeah. Know, and And another thing you learn from that is, you know, everyone's telling me moose hunting is easy and all that. Sure, it was easier than elk hunting, but it's still not easy. There's no hunting that's easy. I don't care if it's you know tree stand hunting out east or you know turkey hunting or goose hunting, whatever it is. You know, each hunt has its own challenge, and this one certainly had quite a few.
0: What do you uh, What do you pack out at?
1: Uh, shoot, actual weight. Yeah, I just... know he came in. He came in right about a thousand on the hoof. Okay. Um, Jeez. Actual just straight meat weight. I'm not positive. I'd have to go back and double check that. It was it was to the point though where I came back <clears throat> so we that was in the evening when I shot him. I gave him a few hours. I knew he was down like a rock. So I gave him a few hours and uh we came back in there and me and my buddy were like, Man, let's just get this thing out tonight. You know, we've cleaned a hundred deer, you know, a bunch of elk and antelope. We could get this done in hour, hour, fifteen minutes, whatever. And uh we were there till I think three thirty in the morning <laughs> getting this thing ordered out. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it was just one challenge after the other. Uh, at one point, we cut the hindquarters off, and uh, that kind of threw off his weight, and he was on wet grass and slid into the water. Oh, so geez. we were having to prop his body halfway up out of the water, and then we're standing in the freezing cold water trying to, you know, get him out, get him taped and everything. And, yeah, so it was to the point where once I got him home that weekend, I spent a few days, I think it was three days, of uh just packaging and we still have meat that's frozen. We haven't even finished packaging. <laughs> wow. But uh after that I, I didn't even hit the last weekend of elk season because I was just so worn out from packaging all that meat.
0: <laughs> well still so, I mean heck with it, that hunts worth it.
1: Yeah. It was it was I mean, insane amount of meat and somehow we packed it out in an S ten pickup truck all the way back to Back to town. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: awesome.
1: Hey, uh, so I, I was actually kind
0: of curious. What bow are you using, and what uh, what arrow? And
1: so I'm using a is a Fred Bear Lights Out, which is I want to say a 2007. Mm-hmm. It's actually my first, my first big boy bow. You know, <laughs> I always shot those those little cheap ones forever, and um, I mean the little Brownings and. I started out with a little Buckmaster bow, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I got that bow. I think it's an 07. Um, so I'm shooting that, I'm shooting the, um, uh, gold tips, uh, pro hunters, oh, nice. arrows, uh, muzzy 100, just good old bone breaking broadheads. Can't go um, wrong. With Muzzies. Yeah. <laughs> well, after I saw that arrow disappear, through that rib cage, I mean, full pass through on a moose. When you see a moose rib cage, I mean, it would blow your mind. It, it's it's three times bigger than I ever thought it would be. I mean, it's huge. <sighs> so uh, I'm pretty proud of my equipment at this point. But uh, yeah, then I got a I switched because of Scott. I switched to a CVE both like nice. last year. And Nice. Man, I love that thing. That's sweet. Are
2: you running a single pin?
1: No, I have the uh, it's the anything back i think it's the five pin fixed mm-hmm. um i i'm almost sold on the floating pin i i'm just about there <laughs> are you, it's are taken you me forever
0: but are you i think i'm probably gonna get, get
1: one uh it's the sniper x pro okay Sniper. Very cool okay yep. very cool well yeah man uh yeah, check sure. check out the
2: single pin but um cbe makes a great product it's it's hard to it's hard to compete when, when you, after you shot the CB switching over something else and that that doesn't feel right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, the only thing that bothers me, if I was to do a floater pin, I'd probably have to get like three or four fixed pins and then the floater after that, Mm -hmm. because I've been in so many situations with elk where they're moving through the trees so quick and you're kind of sitting there and you're trying to run between your rangefinder and guessing and you're kind of going back and forth. And then you know they'll stop in the clearing. You've got two seconds to figure it out. And then you know you run your rangefinder, and they're already moving. You know, so it's I, I don't like the idea of hitting my rangefinder and then having to dial my sight. Mm-hmm. But I know if they're at a greater range, that's not as much of a problem. Probably next year when I decide to sell a kidney and buy a new bow, I'll probably <laughs> uh, probably switch to that sight.
2: <laughs> well, you know, know,
1: these bows are so
2: expensive these days. <laughs> You know, that's that's one thing, and I've seen in the last couple of years bows have really started to creep up in price, but it, it seems like this year, uh, looking at all, all the reviews and, and kind of seeing what people are saying and going out and shooting some different bows, I mean, there's some really solid quality bows at substantially less than they've been the last couple of years. Of course, you know, the the mainstays, the big names uh, are tacking those dollars on, but there's some, there's some up-and-coming companies that, you know, if you want to try something, see something new and not spend a bunch of money, but still get, you know, a quality bow with maybe a little bit slower FPS, but a a good draw cycle, aesthetically awesome bow, um, and something that is very accurate. There's three or four new players in the market that are coming out with bows in, in that, you know, 500 to you know, $700 range. I mean, it's competing against against some of these big guys now just at a lower price. So n- not a big name, but still a, a solid product for a little bit less, which is, is nice yeah. to see the market start to do that a little. I think there needs to be a little bit of price correction on this, uh, on the brand names that are, are throwing bows out there for a
1: grand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I plan on going to shoot a couple of them. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple we talked about, yeah, but uh, you know Phil Mendoza with no limits archery, right? In Denver, great guy. We've had him on a couple times. Yeah, so his shop is closed down right now mm-hmm. because they're moving to a new location. And, Finally, uh, so I think they're gonna I think they're gonna open soon. I think they were supposed to open this last weekend, but it got held off. Uh, but they're gonna have a hundred yard range there, so I'm pretty excited about that.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, they've been they've been talking about that for a while now. It's been in the works so. It's it's about time that they that they pull the trigger, so I'm happy for those guys there. That, that's a great bow shop, especially located right there in Denver. Easily accessible. Uh-huh. Good, good group of guys who have been there for a long time, so
1: solid bow oh, shop. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and once you find a bow shop that you like, you go anywhere else and you just, you just it just doesn't feel right, you know? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> People start feeding you lines, and it's it just, mm-hmm. yeah. But, oh, yeah. no, I like the guys down at No Limits.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, the, the the archery community in Denver is is really a pretty tight-knit group uh, specifically because there is you know in, in the greater Denver area there's four or five shops all within hour of each other from one end to all the way to all the way down south that they all run their 3d competitions and you see the same guys and girls and, and kids at you know every single shoot and, and y- yeah. y- you clearly know I mean people are very adamant about who who their home shop is? Um, oh yeah, but uh, I mean no limits has been by far one of the, one of the best shops I've ever walked into. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, so the, you, you got a lot going on, Tyler. You you, um, you got a lot in the works for for the season. Um, you know, you hunt for trophies every now and then, but you, you're primarily, for the most part, a, a meat hunter, um, which is awesome and you, you don't get that a ton from from young guys like you, you know, most, most of the young guys are in that trophy stage um, but the thing that you're kind of progressing on and what seems to be your next goal is filming hunts I know you've done a little bit of stuff here and there we, we tried film, filming some, uh, some duck and goose hunts that went atrociously wrong <laughs> but uh, going into it um, you have you're actually going out to a film school uh, this weekend
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually start off. I start off uh, tomorrow evening, and it Mm -hmm. goes all the way through Sunday. Mm -hmm. Which school uh, is it? From what I, it's the Outback Outdoors, um, film school. So Outback Outdoors is a big time hunt TV show on the Sportsman Channel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. remember right? Yeah. Um, So they have some killer, killer videos, and uh, they mainly focus on. Kind of more, I'm sure you guys know the Heartland Hunters, right? Oh, great Absolutely. friends of
0: Michael and them are good friends yeah. of ours.
1: Okay, so you know how they go towards more of the cinematic, um, more movie style? Yeah, they give you an experience. Than, exactly, more than, you know, a lot of people like to call it the uh, tag it and bag it style. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, they go
1: more towards the, uh, the scenic view and, you know, bring you through the whole hunt and, I mean, just some amazing photographers and videographers they have. And, uh, yeah, so they have a pretty intense film school that I'm going to this weekend and then um, hopefully get to do some work with them on uh, this season's uh, upcoming shows here.
0: Do you know what they're going to be covering over? I mean, is it going to be more of tree stand using camera arms or on the ground, filled you know, spot in stock with following them? Or do they kind of give you an idea of what you'll be prepared for?
1: So from what I understand, most... Of their hunting is done, spot and stock archery. Okay. Um, so that's, I imagine that's mainly what they're going to focus on. Um, but their whole idea right now is to take us and basically have us be able to pick up any camera you can imagine and be able to look at it for five minutes and be able to run that and, you know, make a show out of it. So right now, it, I think it's the main focus is. Getting the camera part down, and then they they do go into some of the um, you know the interviews and uh, things like that. So it's kind of an all around hunt film school. Okay. But it's mainly just it's focused on beating that camera knowledge into our heads, basically. It's
0: a crash course, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Well, well what's your expectation going to it? I mean,
2: uh, after doing some kind of self guided hunts um, and, and self filmed hunts. Going into this all the excitement, what are you looking to get out of it? What are you expecting to get out of it that's going to change how you're doing things?
1: Well, I'd say for one, it's just going to be another avenue for me to plug into in the hunting community because I'm, I mean, that's what I live for. It's the only reason I'm working. So I'm just always looking for <laughs> another alley into the hunting community where I can, <laughs> you know, another area where I can learn and, and meet new people and all that stuff. So really looking forward to that. Um, as far as expectations go, um, uh, I'm hoping I can learn how to run a camera real good. Cause my past experience haven't been too good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> filming the waterfowl and stuff. I think my best work I've done is with my iPhone five before I drown it in my duck waders, <laughs> uh, it's, it's probably the, as far as my filming knowledge goes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be kind of cool because their whole idea is you can't take a cameraman and just teach them how to be a hunter in a class but you can take a hunter and teach him how to be a cameraman in a class Absolutely. you know the hunting skills have to be earned you can't you can't just learn that out of a book or whatnot you got to get out there and you got to grind for it you know so that's their idea behind the class so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see really how much how much they can teach us and this seems like a short little class but you see some of the videos of the guys coming out of this class. And I mean, it's just crazy. So
0: are they going to be putting yeah, you on decided. like mock hunts to give you something to test around with, or is it just pretty much textbook showing you how to use things? Or do you think they're going to be putting you in the field and just trying to use it on the fly
1: in the past? I know they've done, um, little kind of a final test video in the end. Okay. Um, and then but they're, they're kind of changing things up this year because what it used to be is just a camera school. You could come in and you could pay and you can learn how to be a cameraman, right? Well, this one, they're actually looking for cameramen for their show. So this is part school, part interview nice. for their actual TV show. And if I heard correctly, there's actually going to be a couple other shows. Um, I guess you could say scouting out talent. Um, and trying to pick up a couple extra cameramen, so um, basically I, I think what they're looking for is just to see that kind of spark in the guy that they're catching along and learning well, and I think we'll do obviously some demo stuff in the class and then um after that i don't I don't know if it goes into further training with a particular crew or or how they work that.
0: I'd be surprised to find out if they give you information on how to store the footage as well, because filming is not only the most important part, but you also have to be able to store it because that you know, footage is going to get full quick. And I'm wondering yeah. if they're going to tackle into that and give you some background knowledge. Cause that's uh, I think yeah. very important.
1: Yeah. And that's, that was one of my questions as well. Um, Trevin, the guy who, one of the top guys running it, um, he's kind of my contact for it all. And uh, he's been real busy. So I've been trying not to bug him too much, but, in the past they've gone through, you know, like I said, filming the the interviews before and after the kill and uh editing and all that. I know they do have full-time producers, so I don't know if they just want us to film it and hand them the cards or or how that's all going to work. I guess that's all something I'm going to learn here soon.
2: Yeah, editing is a that's that's a little bit different than being being a hunter who's a camera guy. Editing <laughs> seems to be something a little bit more more specific and
1: and uh career oriented where uh, editing is a lifestyle you gotta love sitting on a computer for hours and hours on end
0: it can be fun but boy it can be brutal
2: you get to sit there and watch a bunch of really cool people do some really cool hunts but you're sitting in an edit bay not hunting yeah no doubt (laughs) well very cool um you know we would love to have you back on after you do this class to kind of get a recap of you know, what you learned, um, what came out of it and and where you are really going to go with, with that knowledge that you did learn? Heck yeah, man. That'd be awesome. Very cool. Um, you got any other, any cool hunting stories, anything coming up that you're getting ready for this season?
1: Um, well, my dad drew a, uh, (laughs) luck would have it. My dad drew a sheep tag this year. Really? We'll (laughs) be up after Rock's sheep. Um, the, the crazy thing about it is we, so my moose tag, most guys are in the draw, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before they draw. I drew in my first year in the draw. So <laughs> is there any time
0: delay that you have to wait before you can start putting in for another uh, moose or elk tag?
1: So for the moose tag, yeah. um, it, it's a once in a lifetime bull tag. I can never draw a bull tag again in my life. Really? Uh, or at least yeah, in, the, in so that state. In this state, yes. Okay. Um, when it comes to cows, I can get back in. I just have to get my three weighted points, and then my my fourth year, I'll be in the draw again. Um, with sheep, I believe it works the same way. I'm not positive I haven't done too much research on that. Um, but I can probably have that answer for you next time I talk to you. Okay. But I think you can draw multiple multiple sheep tags in your lifetime in Colorado. It's awesome. Then this year comes around, and my dad draws a sheep tag at, I think he's at, nine or ten points mm-hmm. which is right around where you expect to start drawing mm-hmm. um, yeah he drew that so we were up at thirteen thousand feet scouting uh this last weekend um didn't run into many rams ran into a lot of hikers but i think we got it pinned down where they're at mm-hmm. and then this unit is also part of the over-the-counter bull tag which is what i'll have for archery so nice. i'm gonna go for my archery unit to hunt with him for sheep. Nice. And I'm going to carry my bow on my back. And I've heard reports of some 320 bulls in there lately. So getting pretty excited about that.
2: And good for you, bud. Yeah, and then you'll be able to go out and film it all now.
1: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you'll be <laughs> able to show is, us what everything is about. Bi- the problem is, I got one more thing to spend money on now, and cameras aren't cheap. No, not at all. They. Uh...
0: Hey, wait a minute. They said to pick up any camera. You have an iPhone, do you not?
1: <laughs> well, I got a Galaxy now so it's even a little better oh, okay <laughs> nice he's a little bit less uh
2: less angry about you drawing a, a moose tag last season <laughs> oh yeah he hasn't quit
0: talking about it by now you know, I, I think Scott just ended the call. Uh, let me see if I can get him back on. He, I think he hung up. All right, leave it to technology and not charging the battery. His phone died while we were on the conversation, and so he's now <laughs> off the line. But uh, I think we did tackle into all the different things we wanted to bring up for this particular episode because he said you're going to be doing the, the schooling this weekend. So it would be exciting to know what it was like when you get back. And uh, we we'll hope to get you back on maybe next week or sometime after and follow up with you. that Would be
1: cool? For sure, man. That'd be awesome. I'd love to.
0: Okay. Well, great. Uh, Tyler, I do appreciate you taking some time and uh, hope that the school goes well. We'll be, we'll be in touch.
1: Thank you much, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yep. Take care. All right, guys. So, you know, living in Colorado, having the opportunity to kill a moose at yet such a young age, under 30 years old, and still having his whole career in front of him, It only makes sense that Tyler is now doing the next step and trying to learn how to film hunts as an industry leader. So what he's doing is taking it into the next level by going to a film school that shows commitment that shows that he not only has the passion for the outdoors, but he wants to share it. You know, guys, Tyler had an amazing moose hunt and it looks like he's taking things to the next level. That's awesome. So guys, here's the deal on our next episode or in a few episodes down the road we want to do something different we want you to share with us your hunting bucket list right now if you went on our website you probably noticed that i personally wrote a blog post talking about a caribou hunt in alaska that's something i want to do i explained it out in detail i basically put a textual affirmation out there cuz one day i am going to achieve it i have other bucket lists i want to do for when it comes to hunting that was just one of them so i'd love to know which ones you have so i'm going to give you a number i want you to call it and leave a message and give me your bucket list and if it sounds good we're gonna put it on the line so other people can hear it too so you can check the show notes for the number but if you have a pin the number is one six seven eight seven one three four eight six eight again that's one six seven eight seven one three four eight six eight When you call, just leave a message. Tell us what your bucket list is for the bow hunting season. And if it sounds good, like I said, we're going to add you to our show. It's going to be great. If you like this show and the other ones we've done so far, I'd really appreciate it if you can go to mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think of the show. It really does help us grow and let other people find out who we are. One more thing, we have a fitness challenge that we've been trying to promote and get people a part of. And as you've probably heard, Scott and I have a huge passion for fitness and how it really does relate and help you be a better bow hunter. So if this is something you'd like to do and you wanna win some extra money by losing some weight and getting lean muscle, Join our challenge. Be a part of it with us. You're going to have fun. The people have started already and we're going for another 60 days. So check it out. Let us know what you think. I'd love for you to be a part of it. You can get all the information if you go to mybowrush.com forward slash challenge. It'll take you right to the page. Just listen to the video. Give us your information. We'll be in touch with you soon. So I think that's it for this show. My name is Travis Stowe. I'm the host of the Bow Rush Podcast. And what Scott would normally say, though he was not on the line because his phone decided to die on us, it is go get a Bow Rush. Take care, you guys.